Well, actually, on behalf of the uh, church here and the Mission Watch team, I'd just like to present you with a small gift for you to um, take with you. It's only five months, so that's, I'm sort of... It's not, it's not that long, that's the thing. I'll be back, and I'm probably going to be back all of next year, so <clears throat> good. don't get any ideas that I'm going away to be like this Michelle. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to be. We'll see. <laughs> I'm excited, though. You're going to be like a Goliath in China. Yeah. <laughs> Professional basketball, or something. <laughs> Just make sure you open that before you go through customs, too. Um, <laughs> would anyone like to come up here and... Um, just lay a hand on Archie as we pray for him. Um, just feel free to come forward now. Um, Archie's been part of our family here for a, a long time. And so we're really sending him out as a brother, sending him in to um, get a taste of what gospel work looks like in China. And we're really sending him, um, I guess we're sending him into the arms of God. So let's pray for him as he goes. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that um, your power was revealed at the cross in your resurrection uh, and you are, uh, now all people are able to come to you. Uh, God, we pray that um, as Archie steps out in faith, he would see uh, people coming to you, people coming to God through a relationship with Jesus. God, Archie's shared with us tonight about um, some of the things he wants us to pray for while he's away. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful in that. We pray that we would each... Um, Continue to pray for him, lift him up to you in prayer. Um, for those things that he's prayed about, God, for his dependency on you, Lord, we pray that uh, over the next five months he would come to really get a big taste of what it's like to fully depend on you in another culture, in a land far from home, in a place where he can't communicate with many people. Lord, we pray that that dependency would really hit home to him and that you would reveal yourself to him through the power of your spirit. God, we pray for um, the people on the course, the other people as well, God. We pray that they would be mutually encouraging to each other as they go through this great life experience together of tasting what it's like to serve you cross-culturally. God, we pray that they would encourage each other to think long-term about this. Pray, God, that Archie would be changed to be more like Christ. Thank you, God, for his amazing faith right now as he steps out. We're really encouraged, God, by the example that he set for us. God, we pray that we would um, take this to heart and we would follow in uh, the example of Archie. Um, and God, we pray that uh, you would encourage us through what Archie's doing. Help us to stay in touch with him. Help us to pray for him. Help us to encourage him. And God, most of all, we pray for Archie, that you would continue to reveal yourself to him over the next five months as he has an absolutely awesome time mm-hmm. and as he gets the socks blown off him. We pray for Archie in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good mate. Oh, look, he wrote smile on the top of his notes. Oh. Well, in Mangotchi right now, it's about five minutes past lunchtime on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's probably fairly warm at the moment. And John and Angela Wilmot and their seven kids, don't ask me to name them, um, will probably be sitting back in their house. They've got a beautiful big house, um, beautiful cool concrete floor. There's a picture of them there. Um, They'll probably be having lunch, the kids talking incessantly, um, stealing each other's food. And John will be in his big room, uh, his big study room where he has a huge desk covered in paperwork. Um, And he'll probably be sitting closely next to the phone waiting for it to ring. Um, Thanks to the marvels of modern technology and gaffer tape and the amazing work that the guys from the tech desk have done tonight, we're able to speak to John live from Mangotchi um, as he brings to us some encouragement and some information and some, um, I I guess you'd say he's bringing to us the words of Jesus from Malawi as he shares with what Jesus is doing amongst the Yao people in Malawi. So it's pretty amazing that we've got an opportunity to partner with um, the Yao people. It's pretty amazing that we've got an opportunity to be so closely involved in what's happening in Malawi at the moment. So why don't we call John? Let's have a chat with him. A few questions I want to ask him. And um, if this doesn't work, we'll just call my mother-in-law who can 
talk for half an hour without drawing breath as well, so... <laughs> I think that's a one. We might get a call centre in India. Hello, John. Hey, how you going, James? Good, thanks. John, it's uh, yeah, this is James Putton from Wodonga Baptist Church. And um, it's great to have you on the phone. It's great to be hearing you from Malawi tonight. Uh, the technology's worked, which is brilliant. How are you going oh. over there? Yeah, good, man. Really good. Ted Carlton's lost, so that's always good news. And St Kilda won, so uh, life's looking good. Uh, John, there's a few people leaving now. <laughs> I think we're just sorting the wheat from the chaff. Now, it's, uh, it's just about lunchtime over there, I believe. Yeah, that's right. It's 11 o'clock, so uh, it's a beautiful morning. Sun shining, sound of Africa out there, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely day. Great, and your family's all there in the house with you as well? got some great photos of you and the family up on the screen now, so we'll uh, be able to watch those as we listen to you. Now, um, John, we just really want to find out a bit about what it's like working amongst the Yao, serving Jesus amongst the Yao. Um, and we really wanted to just hone in, I guess, a bit on some of the experience you've got, maybe some of the challenges you face uh, also in regards to the Muslim faith. And I guess, considering we're um, partnering with you in supporting the leadership training of the Yao people. Um, how has the leadership training um, been the key to leaving God's word in their life after you leave? Well, I guess um, leadership training, discipleship, in many ways, uh, is synonymous. They're together, they're, they're pretty much close in uh, what you do, so you just don't do one without the other. And uh, certainly, to, to look at leadership to focus on that as well as helping people be learners, which we all are um, in following Christ, uh, you're looking at their empowerment, their ability to make decisions and to live independently. I don't have the people hanging over my shoulders who were with me when I first came to faith, but I've been empowered through the community of faith, through all you guys and uh, other things, to, to actually be a leader and to live out this faith and to help others. So that's how it's a bit of a key, because the truth is it's about them following God and not me. Um, mm, that's important. And so certainly within an Islamic environment out here, it's the key to their own empowerment, because uh, even Islam has a very strong leadership base within an expectation that people live out their faith. And uh, it's no different for us. Yes, yeah. So I guess then... In that culture, how do, you, how do you really communicate who Jesus is to the Muslim people? Well, in many ways it's an easier environment than Australia because there's a belief in a monotheistic God, that God is one, that God is there. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very easy to have a conversation. Um, I find anywhere in the world with a Muslim, what isn't easy is the mainstream stereotypes that our Western cultures have that uh, they believe is dominated by Christianity. So in an Islam, in a Muslim's mind, they see our TV, they see our cultures, and they just think it's, again, synonymous with Christianity. And when they see our song DVDs of different churches and they see the women wearing scanty clothes, or they just see these things of reinforcing stereotypes. But I think the thing is that smashes stereotypes is relationship, and people start to see godly people and that they live. And uh, I, I guess the things that are different is Islam has no understanding of grace as we would understand as corresponding freedoms. God is not close and relational and knowable. He's distant and far off and arbitrary. Mm. So it's very hard 
for them to know. And also, they're really inoculated against our jargon. So just the mere mention of some terms makes it immediately impossible for Muslims to dialogue with us because they've, they've been totally um, indoctrinated, if you will, uh, as we have many times about them, about certain things that we mean, and usually they're misunderstood. So we try not to have jargon, and we try to just deal with people as, as people. And so we tend not to... Um, confront or judge, we leave God's work up to God's work. Um, you know, many times we tend to major on minors rather than on the focus, which is Jesus. Yeah. And so technically, I guess I'm more than a Christian. I'm specifically a follower of Jesus, and that's what I want them to see. And I guess we're also wanting them to understand what the gospel really is, that it is good news. As a, yeah, our friend said to me once when I told about my testimony after he said, you know, I go to bed condemned every night knowing that I can't live up to God. And when I told him my message, and plus we live it, we're thick it, we share it, we try to get that consistency. And you've got to reflect, I guess, in your own life, what does that mean to live consistently the gospel lifestyle and what would that need to, to change your own life? So we take those things seriously. And through that, we have um, the responses we're having. Well, so I guess you are you're getting right back to the heart of who Jesus is and getting right back to the basics of the gospel then, aren't you? Man, I mean, when you get past our uh, theological arguments and being salesmen of our own culture and, and particular pet theologies, and we just look at Christ and we trust God as the one that this is about, uh, this is his idea, you know. Um, he knows how to go about it. All he asks us to do is proclaim it in such a way that people can truly see it. So just not to lean on jargon, but to actually trust him in the way that we live, the way that we interact, the way that we forgive, the way we use our resources, the way that we love. Wow. But there is a time to articulate it, and so not just to lean on um, jargon and words that can insult us our own orthodoxy, but to use some creativity without changing the message, but to actually trust it and empower it and share it in such a way that people have an even chance of understanding it. Yeah. Great. So we're committed to funding the Leadership Development Program and we're really um, excited and privileged to get behind that. But uh, what else can we get on board with as well? We, um, we're looking for uh, other ways we can help you. What are some other ways we can partner with you as well? Oh, look, there's so many, man. I mean, uh, the truth is, is leadership and training and these things are ongoing. I hope so as much in your own life and in all those uh, awesome people sitting there listening right now that we never stop, we never stop growing. And uh, our leadership training and these sort of trainings go into a lot of different areas. They go into areas, obviously, of leadership, but also into areas of uh, development and understanding uh, organisational structure and how to coordinate and how to do logistics. And there's, you know, the mundane things such as admin and things that, you know, they need to do amongst themselves. So there's a lot of training. All of it revolves around servanthood. All of it revolves around... Uh, and use what God's got and trust in his kingdom. So there's all these things. I guess there's, uh, because we're in such a poverty-driven environment, you just can't ignore it. I mean, our leadership base is, is affected a lot by death. Yeah. HIV is a massive factor here. Uh, it's the fact that people still live on around 50 Aussie cents per day. And James, you fit those houses these uh, beautiful people live in. Yeah. And you know that there's a massive gap. And just to build their capacity their ability um, to implement and be who they want to be, uh, to look at succession, not just a bureaucratic process of replacing leaders, but to truly disciple and work with people so that there are people obviously ready to fulfil God's call. These things are very complex. So there's a lot of organisational strategy and structure and thinking and prayer. If there's no end of things that you guys can partner with us on. Great. Well, that's really good and that, that gives us lots of encouragement to keep moving forward with this as well. Um, you're speaking of admin just then, and we've been hearing from um, Graham and Pam Keane uh, in the last couple of weeks, yeah. and we've been thinking about supporting them as they move to Mangotchi as well. Can you just give us an idea of um, how they'll help you and what, um, what sort of assistance they can bring to the team? Oh, look, that's a huge thing, <coughs> because out here we have to wear every hat uh, possible. We have to you know, do our own budget, do our own admin, and as we're growing and working in much more complicated areas, development, poverty reduction, HIV, and then all the different stages of uh, leadership training from uh, 
That's good, and it's good to know that God can use ordinary people too, because otherwise we'd all be in trouble. Well, I'd be in more trouble than any of you, but uh, I mean, that's especially, he just wants to use people who are willing, and uh, people who are real, people who are honest, people who are fragile to each other, and uh, to see the dynamic uh, diversity of our team of different people fulfilling that one dream that God has is awesome, and uh, we're really pleased and excited about their potential uh, to join our team, and also the That would be good. Thank you. If you could uh, pass on our greetings to the rest of the team. Yeah, thanks. Uh, John, yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, can we pray for you and the team there? And then can we, um, ask you, can we ask you after that to pray for us as well? Yeah, just, just a couple of specific things. We have some intensive trainings coming up this week and yep. the week uh, after, two weeks after that of both men and women, about 60 to 80 people are getting intensive trainings. And we're really digging deep in the scripture. There are 11 baptisms in between that. It's massive stuff for us. It might seem like our work's going really well, and it is, but it's vulnerable, and we need your prayers. So, yeah, please, if you could just pray specifically just for the continued um, consolidation of, of people's faith, then just we have to know when we need to be pulling back those sort of things, and we'd love to pray for you. Great. Well, why don't you hold the line, and I'll pray. Uh... We'll pray for you, and then um, you can pray for us as well. Thanks, man. Dear God, thank you uh, so much for this ability to hear from John this morning, to hear from the, uh, the news from the front line of what Jesus is doing amongst the Yah people. Uh, God, we're so privileged and blessed to be called to be a part of your work, to be called to um, be a part of the body of Christ as Jesus makes disciples of his own all around the world. God, we, uh, we really do pray for the Yao people. Now, God, we lift them up before you to the throne of grace. Lord, we pray for the leaders and the leadership development program that we are partnering with. We ask, God, that you would bless those people. We ask that you would strengthen them in all grace, strengthen them uh, by the Holy Spirit so that they may grow in you, so that they may come to serve their fellow countrymen and so that they can come to help their own culture find its own distinctive way of following Jesus. God, we pray that we would be faithful in supporting, faithful in giving, faithful in praying for the Yao people. We ask, God, that you would hear our prayers and that you would, um, according to your great mercy and your great love for all people, you would act amongst the lives of the Yao people in Malawi as you act amongst the lives of people here in Wodonga. God, we're just so blessed, we're so privileged to have heard from John today. We ask for um, strength and encouragement to him and his family and to the team in Mangochi. You know all of them by name. We know some of them by name. God, we ask that you would continue to bless them as they serve you faithfully. Help them, God, to um, continue to be strengthened and refreshed from your word each day and by the power of the Holy Spirit as they continue to work hard at serving you we pray, God, that they would continue to love you and they would know the love of Jesus in their lives each day. Praise you, God, for this uh, amazing ability to hear from John this, this evening too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus, uh, we love you and just thank you for each other, for what you do by bringing us into relation with each other. Through nothing we've done to deserve it, everywhere we are and you're not into tokenism you truly want to empower each one of us 
God's people said Amen. <laughs> Cheers, guys. This is fantastic. It's been really good to speak to uh, speak with you today, John. Thanks, guys. And I hope that uh, sometime around this time next year, if we're back in Australia and home leave, we might even get the blessing and privilege to come over and see you guys and uh, uh, communicate uh, more in the flesh and uh, like an incarnational sort of way. Like we're trying to do out here. And, right. uh, but this is great and amazing to have done this. So thanks so much for taking the time and the interest. And we just don't take it for granted. We really value it. Not a problem. Well, the kettle's always on in Wodonga. Jeez, man. My wife's just saying all the kids are really excited that Daddy's talking to his friends in Australia. They've gone outside specifically to make sure the house is quiet. Oh. They've organised themselves as this is important. So um, uh, that's awesome of them. And so that's great to know that... Uh, Thank you, mate. Cheers. No worries. Have a good day. Bye. God bless. Bye. Well, there you go. It worked. Isn't that amazing? Now, just a couple of reminders while we're on it. Um, John mentioned next year. There's an admission trip happening to uh, Malawi and Kenya from this church again next year, in the middle of the year, um, June, July 2009. So there's places available for that now. Planning's already happening. If you're thinking maybe you'd like to go, maybe you're interested in um, seeing what God's doing in Malawi, um, being exposed to that on a short-term basis, well, can I really encourage you to pray about that? And um, you've probably got a month or so to um, just confirm with Jono or Marg about your interest so that you can move forward from there. Um, and also next week is um, our offering for the leadership development work in the Mugsa Yao people. So can I encourage you please to come prepared to give generously next week? Um, we don't give generously out of a, a grudging heart. We just give generously because that's what it takes. So can I please encourage you to, to be um, thinking very generously next week. And um, if you're interested in thinking about Graham and Pam Keane, uh, if you've heard from them in the last couple of weeks or if you'd just like to find out some more information about maybe partnering with them, there's some brochures on the table just out through the doors as you head outside on the Mission Watch table for them as well. So you might um, think about picking one of those up on the way out tonight as well. But um, it's been great hearing from John, so let's be encouraged by that and um, be encouraged by that kind of personal touch on the ground as, we, um, as we've heard from him too. Great.
Now I've just got a couple of other STD calls to make, so if you guys just <laughs> go amongst yourselves, I'll just be here. <laughs> wow. Temptations, hey? Tonight I'm speaking on enticements and uh, how we overcome them, the temptations in life. And I was thinking about the fact that um, I'm sort of a bit older than a lot of you here tonight and I was trying to think, what was it like for me when I was young and had to be living as a teenager. That was a long time ago. And I was thinking about some of the pressures, some of the temptations, some of the enticements that I experienced as a teenager. And I remember when I was 12, going on 13, I was changing from primary school to high school. And I can remember in my primary school years, I had my sisters and I had an instant, you know, sort of friendship with uh, base. So I was kind of really secure. And then I got to high school and everything changed because at high school, they separated me from my sisters and I just felt totally lost. And I can remember, for whatever reason, there was a group of girls, and um, my daughter, Courtney, tells me that uh, when there's a group of girls at school and they're the in-girls, they're called Stellas. Anyone heard that term? Oh, maybe she's getting old too. <laughs> anyway, the Stellas, I think it's off some movie. This group at high school, the Stella group, actually invited me to join their group. And I can tell you, at that time, I thought, wow, this is really exciting. I'm going to be part of the in crowd. So it didn't take me much to say yes to this group. And I can remember the first uh, time that we went out as a group, and I was really excited, and, and they all gathered around and they brought out the cigarettes. And then they started passing it around and they, they said to me, and I remember I was 12, they said, and you smoke, of course, don't you? And I said, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I smoke. Well, I've never smoked in my life. <laughs> so here I am, I lit up a cigarette and I took a puff and nearly choked on it, but made out, yeah, I was cool. I was cool. And I can remember... Another game that they played, has anyone heard of the game Spin the Bottle? <laughs> well, I confess that the Stellas used to love playing this game Spin the Bottle. And so I was exposed to this game called Spin the Bottle. And what it is basically, you grab a bottle and you spin it and the fella that it lands on, you go out into another room and you pass on. So... I was just horrified at this. I was so naive. But I was in with this group and I was fully there, so I had no choice. So it came to my turn to spinning the bottle and the bottle spun and it landed on this gorgeous guy. And I... No. <laughs> I was 12. I didn't meet him till at least 13. No, no, much later. <laughs> and it landed on this guy and he was just gorgeous and I, I was just shaking in my boots and I had to go out and I was meant to pass on with this guy and so I confessed that we got out into this room and I was so nervous and I held up my hand <laughs> to shake his hand instead of kissing him. Well, he just thought, 
who is this loser? And he went back in and he blew my cover. I wasn't as stellar at all. I was the biggest dag out. I have always been a dag and I always will be a dag. I'll never be a stellar ever, ever, ever. But what I do want to say is that at 13, the pressure to conform, the pressure to be part of the in crowd, I can still remember. I can still remember how strong it was. And it reminds me of something else. If that doesn't help to, to get a picture of what we want to talk about tonight, anyone remember the movies, The Lord of the Rings? Three movies, the trilogy. And the story goes like this. The dark Lord Sauron was an evil and powerful being and he's rising up again after a long period of dormancy and he's going to soon dominate all of Middle-earth if he is not stopped. And the key to Sauron's defeat is Frodo, the nephew and heir to Bilbo Baggins, the hero of The Hobbit. The magic ring that Bilbo picked up on his adventures is in fact the one ring into which Sauron deposited all of his power. And this is Frodo. And, and um, the, what, what happens is the ring can only be destroyed in the volcano at the heart of Sauron's realm of Mordor. So, and if that happens, Sauron will be destroyed. But unfortunately, the longer someone bears the ring the stronger grows its ability to corrupt and entice the person around them for evil. And Frodo has to be able to resist the seductive call of the ring and complete his perilous journey to Mordor to save Middle-earth. And Frodo isn't alone because he has the guidance and wisdom and instruction from Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas and Sam. Legolas is the guy that's the spunk with the long blonde hair and the funny ears. <laughs> but ultimately, it is Frodo who has a choice to take this instruction and wisdom, be courageous and resist the ring's seductive, evil power in order to destroy it and save Middle-earth. Well, enticements all around, temptations all around, they can come from something that is set right before us, like a plate of steak. Or they can come from somewhere that's a little more subtle, that is generated from somewhere within us, that need, that desire to fit in and to not have the inner strength to say no to peer pressure. Or they can actually come from knowingly associating with something that is bad and it can have and work its influence in us. And I don't know about you, but I know only too well what it's like to battle forces lurking outside and forces lurking inside for your very soul. And it's as if this world is conspiring every day to overcome and destroy us, isn't it, sometimes? Don't we feel like that sometimes? Tonight, I hope I can give some insight into how we might overcome some of the temptations, some of the forces that would seek to seduce us, seek to entice us and overcome. Last week, Phil introduced the Book of Wisdoms, the, the Book of Wisdom, Proverbs. Now, I've just left my Bible somewhere down there. Have I? Mace? No? Don't worry. No, that's all right. Mine had something special in it. Anyway, 
Phil introduced us to the Book of Wisdom, which was Proverbs last week. And, you know, sometimes I think in our computer, cyberspace, Facebook chat room world, when we say we're going to open God's word and look at wisdom to guide our lives. For some of you, it's a bit like going from... Thanks, Chris. It's a bit like... Well, I have to say, it's a bit like this. <laughs> it's a bit like, how on earth does that relate to me today? Really and truly. And, you know, I can remember uh, Reinhard Bonnke, I saw a DVD of his once, and, and some young person said to him, how can the Bible be relevant to me today? It's 2,000 years old. And Reinhard Bonnke replied, well, scientists say that the sun is millions of years old. Is the sun relevant for you today? And the truth is that this ancient book, forget ancient rings, but this ancient book, is full of wisdom and full of instruction for life that you cannot do without. Let's turn to it. Proverbs 1, 8 to 19. A warning against enticements. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll share a common purse. My son or daughter, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin. Sorry. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. You know, this ancient wisdom is divided into four sections. How do we acquire it? What will others do to us? What are we to do? And what will be the result? Quite simple. How do we acquire it? Well, the first seven chapters of Proverbs are addressed to my son. And this expression occurs about 15 times. And in these chapters, we hear the heartbeat of a parent who wants the best for his child. By following parental advice, a young person can avoid life's problems and traps and develop expertise in practical, everyday affairs. You know, I was listening to that um, phone conversation, and wasn't it great the way that John said, we've sent the kids outside, they're learning that this is important stuff that we're doing here. And by that instruction, John is teaching his kids about respect, about wisdom, you know, our parents, my parents, lived in a culture that was actually enculturated by Christian principles. I remember when Warren and I went to Sydney a few years ago and we walked around Sydney, we were overwhelmed at all the historical sites in Sydney, like the site of the first governor's house, the site of the first prison, the site of the first hospital. And all of those sites were instituted and implemented by godly men, Christian men. 
a couple of hundred years ago. Our society was formulated on Christian principles, on the fabric of Christian <coughs> wisdom and values. Now, our parents were enculturated into that society and the Christian values just seeped through them so then they were carried on to the next generation. And even though perhaps some of us may not have had Christian parents, they were still shaped by the Christian values and culture of their time. Unfortunately now, the devil has seen to actively work against that ancestry. And we see that in our schools in particular, in our education, in our legal system, that those foundations are being eroded away. Parents no longer have that same opportunity and same authority to seed into their children because they're trying to do that against a background of beliefs that are anti, against a background of uh, systems, education systems, which are quite contrary to Christian values. But in the context of this, most young people acquired their knowledge for life from their parents. So we cannot forget the gift if we were fortunate enough to have godly parents and to listen to them. And uh, Solomon says that they will be like a garland of grace for you. We acquire it through our parents, but we also acquire it through the good book, this ancient book. Proverbs, I encourage you to read. It is just full of godly, practical, wise instruction that can help your life. So the first thing is we acquire wisdom through wise people and through the book of God. What will people do to us? How will they assault us? How will they try and move us off the path that God wants us to stay on? Well, if we read in verses, from verses 2 again right through, we'll see that sinners will entice you. They will come along and lie in wait for someone's blood they will waylay harmless souls. They'll swallow them alive like the grave. They'll want to plunder them and get all sorts of valuable things. That's what they will do to us. Life is full of enticements to evil. We'll have to have the courage and backbone to say no a thousand times a week. It's so true, isn't it? Here the street corner gang invites a young friend to participate in an armed robbery, basically. If necessary, they'll bump off the victim. Our friend might be flattered by these tough youths that they'd accept him as one of the gang and he may be lured by excitement but only ruin follows. Perhaps there's some of you here tonight. You become bored by a sheltered life and you want to do something more exciting. I'm sure it's not to the extreme of robbing and killing someone. But there are young people in our community that are doing this right now. I heard of it just the other day where a group of young people came out and in an unprovoked way just attacked some young people in our community. Here it is, the perfect crime. Sudden and violent death, then a quick disposal of any telltale evidence, and the great incentive is that they will be rich overnight. There'll be enough money to fill the houses of all the accomplices. So the word is, get with it, and you'll make a bundle. Everyone shares equally. You can't you lose 
notice a number of things about the seducers or enticers. Number one, they're in a group. You know, rarely will someone that wants to entice be alone. They'll always be in a group. Number two, they'll entice you first with a promise of what great things you will get. Number three, they'll attack vulnerable people. We've all heard of the scams, haven't we? Uh, that go around, men and women that go around and attack the elderly with scams to rob them of all their finance. Number four, they rush, the scriptures say, into sin. In other words, they have no discernment. And number four, they actively set about traps for people. You know, I received from the Australian Prayer Network a, an email that said this. The Journal for the American Medical Association reported that 89% of sexual solicitations were directed at youth occurred in chat rooms. They were saying that uh, internet spaces like Facebook in particular and other social network sites Make, that make um, themselves so appealing to teenagers because they can pour out their lives on these sites is also what makes them appealing to online bullies, sexual and marketing predators, employers and voyeurs. You know, we have to be wise. We have to have discernment. But even if we're not enticed to rob or to kill, there are other enticements that every day we wrestle with, like pornography, like shutting someone out who's not a stellar from the group, like stealing, lying, being more in love with the world than with God, faking your walk, binge drinking. There might be some of you here tonight that are struggling with the enticements of any number of those things. But this ancient wisdom tells us what we can do to actually have life. We have to save ourselves. It's interesting that in verse 10, we hear the words of a father, my son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. First, we really have to have wise people in our lives. Phil earlier was talking about mentors. If you don't have wise parents in your life, then find a wise mentor. It might be a teacher. It might be a, um, a friend's parents. But find someone that's wise to guard your life. Secondly, my son, if sinners entice you, we need to learn discernment. There's a famous parable about the frog and the boiling water. Heard of that one? If you place a frog in boiling water, he'll know it straight away and jump out. But if you place a frog in cold water and bring it to the boil, he will stay in the water and eventually die. He has not learned to discern when something has intentional harm, even when it appears harmless. In the same way, learn from your mistakes. Learn to be realistic about people. I'm not saying judge people, but be realistic. You know, I have to say that one of the greatest things you can ever learn to overcome in your life is to be realistic about your life. I find when I talk with people, so many people are so unrealistic about life. 
They haven't, with wisdom, discerned the reality of their life. Instead, they live their lives with unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations of themselves and others. And they're forever wretched. They're forever not at peace because there's no reality in their lives. We need to learn discernment. We need to learn to be realistic about other people. If you are using the internet, be wise and discerning about who you speak to, about who you associate in chat rooms. If you are at school, don't be exclusive, but be discerning about who you associate with about who you're, you spend most of your time with. Yes, we're meant to be out there and witnessing for Christ, but that doesn't mean that we have to wear the ring and allow slowly but surely the influences of that ring to overwhelm our lives and eventually to set us off track. That's not what God is saying here. So we're needing to learn to be discerning. Thirdly, he says, do not give in to them. There is a process with temptation. You know, temptation will always exist. It is not that we can remove temptation. If you think you can remove temptation from your life, you're wrong. You can move out of temptation's way. But temptation will always be there in your life. We are saturated by it. I'm told that every single day, every one of us is exposed to between four to 500 marketing messages every day. Now, most of them we filter out, but some hit. And the truth is, the majority of marketing wants us to act in a certain way that actually probably causes us harm. To spend too much, to act in this way, to try and be sexy, to do all the things that run contrary to the wisdom of following God's way. Don't give in. Temptation is a process of saying no. We can learn to choose what to respond to and what not to respond to. The responsibility is ours. Do you know in verse 11 it says, if they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. It's at this point we still have a choice. And the choice is, in the words of the Father, to say no. But we'll notice that by the time we've moved to verse 14, where it says, throw in your lot with us, it's too late. It was like I had a choice when I was 12, when my ego was stroked. And the Stellas invited me to join that group. I had a choice then to say no, but I said yes. And once I said yes, I threw my lot in with that group. And as a result, the culture of the group determined the culture of the individual. There was no room for individual conscience, group rules, rule. So you have a choice. It's not that temptation won't come your way, but when it comes along, the scriptures say, choose to say no. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. That just means that we'll always be tempted. If we're alive, we'll be tempted. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Surround yourselves with wise people. Learn to be discerning. Don't give in to bad influences. Don't be like the frog and not know what bad influences are. Learn to be discerning. Learn from your mistakes. I do all the time. I still make mistakes. But it's not the fact that I make mistakes that is wrong. What is wrong is not learning from them. And not learning from them is foolishness. Learning from your mistakes is wisdom. Do not seek out bad influences. You know, sometimes we do actively seek them out. And we're told that we have God's word which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Don't treat God's word like this. Don't treat it like that. I'm serious. I'll be honest. I can imagine that for most of you, this book is probably gathering dust and comes out every so often. You know, we need to be in God's word because that's where God's wisdom resides every day because do you know how strong the temptations of life are? Do you know that they result in death? We need to use our brain. John Henry Newman said, your whole nature must be reborn, your passions and your affections and your aims and your conscience and your will. It must all be bathed in a new element and consecrated to your maker. And the last, not the least, your intellect. We've got to use our brain and be courageous. And the result... What's the result of temptation? Well, the end result of entices for evil is that their own blood will be shed and their lives will be ruined. As it's said in the preceding verses, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds as a farmer wants to catch the birds. If the birds are watching, they'll keep away. That's how vigilant we have to be. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who do it. It takes away the lives of those. The result is that those who are enticers for evil will be ruined. He who overcomes will inherit a new heaven and a new earth. It says in Revelation 21, listen to what it says in verse 7 to 8. He who overcomes will inherit all this. And it's just talked about a new heaven and a new earth. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the adulterers and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. I wonder today or tonight, have you ever thought how wonderful it would be if someone came up to you and said, you know, you're a really wise person. I wonder if from the way that you live your life, from the way that you resist temptation, from the way that you 
you call out to God when you know that you're going to go down a path you don't want to go. I wonder if you surround, when you surround yourselves with wise people that give you wise instruction and you read God's word that, that seeps into your heart and gives you wisdom to live life. I wonder then when someone can come up to you and say, you know, you're a wise person. I wonder how great you feel about that. It's not pride. Solomon, as we heard from Phil last night, asked, he could have asked for anything. God said in 1 Kings 3, I will give you anything you ask for. And he asked for wisdom. And he was wise for a period. And in that period when he followed God, God, there was nothing God would not do for him. You know, we heard from John tonight. There's two reasons why we preach this message tonight. It's so that you can walk with a sure foot through life so that your life will not end in the pit but it will end in life and you won't be swayed by the literally hundreds of enticements that assault you every day and I know they do and I know it's tough, it's tough being a young person, living in this godless age that we live in today. It is tough. But we want you, particularly you young ones, to know God's ways and to live in it and to walk in it because there's no other life. It's just the most amazing life that you can live. And there's another reason why we preach this message tonight and that is because the world needs godly human beings again, especially now. They need them in Malawi, but they actually need them here as well. There's a mission field out there and there's a godless group of people that are going to an eternity without God into the fiery furnace. And we need to stay on the straight and narrow. And this book is going to help you to do that. And my encouragement for you tonight is to remember, to be aware that there will always be temptation. But there is nothing that we cannot overcome through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's go out there. Let's walk the walk. Let's talk the talk. But let's walk the walk that he lays out for us and not be swayed by the evil that's out there. Let's be holy Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have called each and every one of us here that know and love you to a walk of holiness, to not be swayed by enticements, by evil that is there that saturates our culture, that causes us to sometimes look left and to right and make mistakes and make wrong choices. But Lord, help us, even when we do, to, to come back to you, to ask forgiveness, to, to walk the walk again, the walk of life. Help us to be surrounded by those that can instruct us in wisdom. Help us to read your word. Help us to be discerning and to use our brain in knowing when to avoid, when to, be, when to remove ourselves.
from the influences of this world. Oh, Lord, I truly pray for every person here tonight, including myself, that every day, given it's a daily battle, Lord, to surrender our lives afresh to you, to have less of us and more of you in our lives and to walk the right path to say yes to you and no to evil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.